baskets and Sandra's not here. Okay. All right. So I'm trying to think of any more announcements. Sandy, when she's not here, I, I don't know. Or Sandra. I, think it's, uh, I can't think of any announcements. Can you? Kara Sunday, yes. And next Wednesday, if you come here, we won't be here. Walk around the building seven times and pray and then just go on home. We won't be here because it's Thanksgiving week. Can you believe it already? It's Thanksgiving week. So next Wednesday, next we won't have a midweek service next week. And we'll pick it up the week after. And next Sunday is Care Sunday. So we'll be talking about that more on this coming Sunday morning. But anyway, if you're happy today, say amen. amen. And I think I'm on. Steve, am I on here? There we go. Yes. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to... Let me get this up here. The book of Genesis. And we're going to get into the Word tonight. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Abraham. I tried to get away from Abraham, and I can't get away from Abraham fully. I'm going to close the message tonight with Isaac. But we've got to stay with Abraham just a little bit longer. So let's just go to Abraham's call. Genesis chapter 12, because this is a defining moment. In the progress of Scripture, it's a defining moment in the um, progress of Genesis, because now we're in the age of the patriarchs, what Paul called the fathers, the fathers. Who are they? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph is the the fourth personality that we're really going to be focusing on in the next couple of weeks before we close out this book, but they're called the fathers. Now it says in verse 1, the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And say with me, that be me. Now, Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the power of your word We thank you that the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may behold wondrous things out of your law tonight. We're hungry, Lord. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. I want to just backtrack a little bit from last week and kind of bring us up to speed. And then we're going to continue on looking at Abram a little bit more tonight. Uh, Abram, who was before Abraham, that is, before his name was changed to Abraham, Abram experienced a series of successive, what is that called, everybody? Theophanies, or divine manifestations around which the events of his life rotated. Now, theophanies is just a fancy-sounding word. Notice the first four letters of theophanies. Thea, that's from theos, or theos, God. Phanes means to appear or to bring to light. And what it just means is when you have a theophany, and probably all of us have had a theophany at one time or another, when you have a theophany, it just means that either God appears to you in a particular way, not in the form of a person, but there is a manifestation of God in your life, or he brings something to light. How many of you have ever opened up the Bible and the Lord just brought something to light? Amen? Now, there were five times uh, that uh, God appeared to Abram, There might have been more, but five that I was able to find. And I named them there, Acts 7-2 and Genesis 
four times in Genesis, five different times when God appeared. The first time God appeared to him, it says he appeared to him when he was living in Ur of the Chaldees, and he said to Abram, he said, I want you to leave. I want you to get out of here. I want you to leave your family. Matter of fact, let me just read it out of Acts 7-2, because here it's being preached in the book of Acts. In Acts 7 and verse 2, he said, Brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. And then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. And so God appeared, a theophany to Abram. He didn't have the Bible. He had no scripture. And I repeat that a lot, but it's something we need to hear. Because I'm so used to turning to the Bible. I turn to the Bible every single day. And I get life and strength and encouragement from the Bible. But he had no Bible. Abraham had no Bible. There was no Bible until Moses. And after Moses, all there were were the five books, the Pentateuch. That's it. But when Abram heard God... He just started walking, not knowing where he was going. That takes faith. So he didn't have a Bible to turn to as he was traveling and say, you know, I need some strength here, some encouragement from the Word. Didn't have it. He had his relationship with God. Now, in all of these visits, God made it crystal clear that he was promising Abram three things. What were they, everybody? Land, offspring, and blessing. Now take note of the eight points of this divine statement, seven of which come forth as promises in which the Lord will later call a covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, one, what did he say? Get thee out of thy country. Now this is what you call a conditional promise. A conditional promise is when God says, I will if you will. There is such a thing in the Bible as an unconditional promise. For instance, Christ is coming again. Doesn't matter what we do. That's unconditional. He's coming again. But you and I stand tonight in the blessing that resulted from looking up to God in faith based on a conditional promise. If you repent, I will save you. If you walk away from your sin, I will fill you with my spirit. If you turn to my son, my son will turn to you. And he will deliver you from darkness into his marvelous light. I will if you will. That's what the Bible shows as a conditional promise. So Abram's promise was conditional. If you get out of your country, I will. And what did he say he would do? Number two, I will make you of you a great nation. Third, I will bless you. Fourth, I'm going to make your name great. Fifth, you will be a blessing. Sixth, I'm going to bless them that bless you. And seventh, this is a promise. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Seven promises based on one requirement. No wonder in this theophany, where God appeared to Abram, we don't know what it it was, a light, a voice, I don't know. But we know that he responded in faith and stepped out. And because he did, we're here tonight. So, A, his his nation would be great numerically, influentially, and spiritually. 
B, I'm going to bless you with offspring, with wealth, and the biggie, justification by faith. And we're going to talk about that tonight. And then Galatians 3, 8, and 9 says, The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the nations by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. C, I'm going to make your name great. D, you're going to be a blessing. E and F, those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. God regards the friends or enemies of Abraham as his own friends or enemies. And all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And this was realized through Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham. And that's what we're going to focus on tonight, the seed of Abraham. Now let's look again at Genesis 3.15, the first prophecy of the coming Messiah Jesus Christ. Because, folks, what we're looking at right now in Genesis 12 and forward is God fulfilling his promise that he made in Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15, read, let's, let's say it together. And I will put... Now, who's God talking to here? Who's he talking to? The devil. He's talking to the devil. So look what he says to the devil. I will put enmity between you and the woman... And between your seed and her seed, notice capital S, he shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Now I want you to notice something with me tonight. Notice the capitalized seed. When seed is capitalized, as in Genesis 3.15, it's singular. There is a reason the translators capitalized it. Because they want us to understand that This is now referring to one individual, not a mass of people, seed, but singular, one person. That's what God's doing. So when seed is capitalized like it was in Genesis 3.15, it's singular, referring to one individual, Christ. God told Adam, he, seed, the man Christ Jesus, shall bruise your head. He wasn't saying to Adam and to the devil, all of the offspring of Adam, somewhere down through his lineage, they're going to bruise the head of Satan. No, the Hebrew, it's a singular individual that's being addressed, and that's why it's capital S. He wants us to understand that God is looking way down the tunnel of time. And guess what, everybody? By Genesis 3.15, there had already been a discussion amongst the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. There had already been a decision. Jesus had already said, in eternity's past, I will go and I will die for them. When Adam fell, God did not turn to Gabriel and say, I can't believe it. Can you believe he did that? God knew he was going to, because look, right here, it's already settled in heaven. The seed, singular, Christ, has already said, I will go. So way back in the Garden of Eden, it was already settled in heaven, decreed in heaven, settled. Jesus Christ, God the Son, was going to put on flesh, wrap himself in flesh, become one of us, live among us, and die. To redeem us. It's already settled. And that's just one of the mind-blowing things that just rocks my world when I think about it. Because God is so profound. He's so awesome. How can that be? 
But this is what happened. Already settled, way back in ancient times. So here we go. In Genesis chapter 21, in a dispute with Sarah over Ishmael, God spoke to Abraham and said, whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. Guys, that's a verse you ought to claim. That's wisdom. Well, watch this. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Now notice, in the above verse, seed is not capitalized because it's referring to many people, to all the recipients of salvation by faith. So in Isaac, your seed shall be called. When God says that, we are included in that. That's plural. That, it's not a singular, it's a plural. So God is thinking of everybody. He's talking about everybody who's going to be looking to Christ by faith and being saved. It's not talking about Christ. It's talking about everybody who comes in under the blessing of Abraham through Christ. Okay? Paul wrote further in Galatians. Now to Abraham and his seed. Now this is a direct quote. So there's that capital again. Paul wrote, now to Abraham and his seed. That's only talking about one person. Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, those of us who have been saved by faith, but as of one. He says, and to your seed, who is Christ. Now, you know what this means, everybody? When God, the Abrahamic covenant was made to two individuals, not just Abraham. It was made to two. Abraham and Jesus. Look above at the verse. Now to Abraham and his singular seed, Jesus, were the promises that we just read made. Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that through him all the families of the earth would be blessed. Amen. So this is heavy stuff, and I'm headed somewhere with this, so so stay with me. Now watch this. So Paul writes, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Now, I want you to stop and think about this for a minute. You're not just a son of God, you're also a son of Abraham. You're a spiritual descendant of Abraham. Not the natural Jews. Not natural Jewish people. Because I don't care who you are. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what your background is. If you don't call on the name of Christ, I'm going to say it. You're lost. You're lost. Nobody is born into the kingdom of God by natural birth. You're not going to get in by your mama or your papa. Not by some believing, praying granddaddy. You're not getting in that way. You're not going to get in grabbing anybody's coattail but one. Jesus Christ. Now there's a debate in our day, and I don't understand why. I don't know where the church is, but there's a debate in our day. And the debate is this. Do you really have to get there just by Jesus? Can't you get there by Muhammad? Can't you get there by Buddha? Can't you get there by hugging a tree? Can't you get there by just being a good person? Can't you just get there by good intentions? And I hear people all the time, and it makes me crazy. Because I think, where are the voices in the church that are making it plain? Because Jesus Christ himself said, 
no man, nobody gets to the Father but through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but through me. Now, people who say to me, well, you're just being narrow-minded. I say, no, 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 I'm not being narrow-minded. I'm quoting Christ. If you've got a problem with what I'm saying, you've got a problem with him, not me. I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot me. What I want us to see in this study of Genesis is, folks, listen. You say, well, that's just narrow. Jesus said it was narrow. He said the road was narrow, and the way was narrow, and the way was constricted, and few there be that find it. What I want us to see in studying Genesis is, God in Genesis 3.15 says to the devil, okay, you seduced them into sin. You played a major part. Here is what is coming down the pike for you. I'm going to raise up a capital, singular, seed, an individual. And he's going to bruise your head. And you are in turn going to bruise his heel. An incredible, incredible echo of the cross and the nails going through the heel of Jesus. Then you listen to that promise and you just follow it on down. And by the time we get to Genesis 12, here's God saying to one man, Abram, I want you to come out of Ur of the Chaldees. I'm about to begin something with you. And Abraham obeyed. He was a man of faith. And now here's what God was after. And you're going to see this in just a moment. Here's what God was after. God knew we would never, ever, ever, ever live up to his righteous requirements. Never. He knew we would not do it. That's why he gave the law, folks. He didn't give the law so that we would perfectly follow it. He gave us the law to show us we could not perfectly follow it. He gave the law so that our sin, which was kind of general and hazy and foggy, could be brought under a microscope and be clarified. He brought the law to show us that we were hopelessly weak and could not live up to his demands. So here's what he's doing. He's calling Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees, and here's what he's looking to do with Abram. He's looking to bring forth a man of faith who will reach a point in his life where God says to him, I declare you righteous by faith. Not by what you have done, but by the way you have believed me. We're about to see this. And the minute that God brought Abram to the place where where Abram had obeyed God and believed God, it says God reckoned him, declared him righteous by faith. When that happened to Abram, he became the prototype for every other person later, and particularly for those of us in the gospel age, because God was showing us, you will never, ever, ever, by trying to fulfill the law or live out the law, ever get into heaven that way, because you're going to fail. If you fail at one commandment, you fail at all of them, James said. We're guilty of all ten commandments, all of us, breaking all of them, all of us, if you break one. Not to mention... We were born associated with Adam's sin. Guilt by association. So so God is leading up to something, as we're about to see in the scriptures. He's leading up to something, and here's what it is. He's letting Abram be declared righteous by faith 
saying to the whole world, nobody is ever going to be righteous apart from being declared righteous by faith. It's only by believing God. That's where the whole thing here is going. So let's look at the scriptures now. Paul wrote further in Galatians. Now to Abraham and his seed, that is Christ, he does not say, and we've already read this, but we need to read it again, where the promise is made. He does not say unto seeds, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So the Abrahamic covenant was made to Abraham and to Jesus. Now look, drop a little bit lower. So Paul writes this in chapter 3 of Galatians 6 through 9. Here's what he says. Just as Abraham, what did he do? Believed God. And what happened? It was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed, so then those who are of faith are what, everybody? Blessed with believing Abraham. And what is the greatest blessing of all that Abraham experienced in everything that he had? He was justified by faith. So everybody who looks up to God and believes the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ receives that blessing, justification by faith, which means just as if you never did it. Now, when was Abraham declared righteous by faith? We find it in Genesis 15, verses 5 and 6. This is the first time he was declared righteous by faith. It says God brought him outside, and he said, look now toward heaven, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And of course, he wasn't. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And what happened? He believed in the Lord. Now that literally means from the Hebrew text, y'all, it means this. He believed the Lord. And what happened? He accounted it to him for righteousness. And that is so powerful. He, he looked up. You know, Kathy and I were sitting out back the other night. Uh, the moon was brighter than I think I've ever seen it. It was just like a flashlight. I mean, it was just bright. And we were just sitting out there looking up and I said, Just look at that, Kathy. How can anybody say there's no God? How can anybody say it? But I was looking at all the stars and the moon and the incredible constellations and all that God just hung up there. And I was thinking, you know, when Abram looked up, a theophany again, God appeared. I said, you see all that up there? You see all those stars? You can't even begin to count them all? He said, that's how many your descendants are going to be. And he didn't even have a child. There was nothing in his circumstantial experience for him to go, well, no kidding, I I believe that, I got kids running everywhere. He had none. Sarah was barren. But he said, Lord, I don't just believe in you, I believe you. There's a big difference. Devils believe in God. But see, faith is when you say, I believe God. And when he said that, against all odds, he's now climbing up to being an older man. When he said that, 
it says that God from heaven said, righteous. Righteous. And when you said, when you heard the gospel said, Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead, when you said, I believe that, righteous. Child of Abraham, son of God, daughter of God. Why? Because I believed God's testimony of his son. People say, how can it be that easy? It's got to be more complicated. No, God made it easy for people like us. Because there's the parallel. Don't you see it? When Abraham said, I believe you, righteous. When we said, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus more tonight, y'all, than I maybe ever have. I mean, I'm just so convinced that he's the son of the living God, and there is no other way to heaven. And if you don't say, I believe, God, your testimony concerning your son, you're not saved. You're not saved. You're not born again. You're not delivered. You will answer for your sins before God. So I say, I believe. I believe in your testimony about your son. Righteous. Just as if you never did it. Isn't that neat? Now watch this. Uh, Commentator R.C.H. Linsky writes this. It does not mean that Abraham believed in or on God, but he believed what God said. The promise God made to him in Genesis 15. He believed the promise about the heir, Christ, who was to come out of his seed via Isaac, who was as yet unborn. He believed that through this heir, his spiritual seed, say with me, that be me. We're the spiritual seed of Abraham. His spiritual seed would be in number like the stars of heaven. And are you ready? This blows my mind too. But Abraham believed in Jesus Christ in the gospel. You say, where? In John 8. It's right underneath. Let's read it together. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees. And man, he just blows their mind. He wheels around and says to them, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Now they went, they were unstopping their ears now. This dude is crazy, baby. Because now he's saying, Abraham, who lived two thousand years, two millennia before, said he rejoiced to see this day right now where I'm talking to you. Huh? Now, again, Lenski states, what caused Abraham to exult was the promise of the birth of Isaac, through whom the nations should be blessed. Abraham saw Isaac born and was glad. Now, folks, listen to this. This is key. This is why Isaac matters. Then and there, in that event, Isaac's birth, Abraham saw with his own eyes what Jesus calls my own day. Then and there, at the birth of Isaac, the day of Jesus began. At the birth of Isaac. Because before Isaac, everything was just promises. Abraham, you're going to have offspring, and they're going to be like the stars in heaven, and your descendants are all the nations blessed, and the the seven promises we read. Up to now, it's just all all talk, it's all promise. 
And they reached a place where they were freaking a little bit. Hey, I'm 100. She's 90. The thrill is gone. Know what I mean? So how is this going to happen, God? I think that God caused it to wait that long so they would know this is a child of faith. So when Isaac was finally born, that's the first tangible thing where the promise became real. And when he looked at Isaac, that's why they laughed. They laughed out of sheer joy because looking at that little baby, ah, this is the beginning of the day of Messiah. Because now I have an offspring. And the Bible had said, in in Isaac's seed shall the promise be. So Abraham knew. It's not Ishmael. Galatians is clear about that. Ishmael was a work of the flesh. It was a work of panic, a work of worry, a work of fear, a work of doubt. Isaac was the child of promise. So holding that baby, holding that baby, now I see the day of Jesus. And that's what it means when it says, he rejoiced to see my day and he saw it. When did he see it? When he held Isaac. He saw it. There it is. Isn't that powerful? He saw it and was glad. He didn't just see Isaac, y'all. He saw nations blessed. I was talking to guys last night about radio. I'm not just thinking of reaching thousands of people with radio. I'm thinking of one day our church being able to reach billions. Because with Modern technology, you can do it. Why should we just believe for thousands? When when Abraham held Isaac, he saw nations blessed and every family on earth blessed. This is the great significance of Isaac. With Isaac, the day of Jesus began. The child of promise became a reality and Abraham rejoiced, knowing that this was the beginning of the coming of the promised Messiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, next week, I'm going to go into when God led him to sacrifice Isaac. And I think we'll be able to cover Isaac and Jacob in next, next, evening, next uh, Wednesday. But let me just go into this, and I'm going to close with this. Are y'all being blessed tonight? Amen. All right, now, look at this. Then the Jews said to him, this is so powerful. I tell you, this just blows my mind. Now, the Jews, now, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're just freaking out. They just freak. They think this guy is crazy. Because look what he says. The Jews said to him, what do you mean he rejoiced to see your day? You're not 50 years old yet. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus looked right at him and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham even was, I am. Now, I've got to show you just something. Let me just dabble a little bit in the Greek. It's not going to, you can handle it. Just watch this now. Look, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was. Now, if we were looking at a Greek text, we would see was. It's in what is called the aorist tense. That's right there, A-O-R-I-S-T. The aorist tense just means this. Something happened in the past, a completed action. It happened, and it's over now. The aorist tense tells us when we see a, a word a Greek word in the aorist tense, it means something happened in the past and it's over. It's that simple, aorist. 
kind of has the feel of a, a, a judge with a gavel. Bam! Uh, you know, it's like, it's like something happened and it's over. We could say, if I was speaking in Greek, I would say, last Sunday we met here. That would be an aorist. We met, it's over. What he's telling us when he says before Abraham was, when he puts it in the aorist tense, and Jesus spoke in this, what he's saying is, Abraham, Abraham's life had a beginning, and then it ended. It had a beginning, and it ended. It was. It happened in history, and now it's over. So he really had a start and a finish. But then, when he comes along and says, I am, it's in the present tense. It's in the present indicative. And here's what he was doing. And just using two little words, he looked them right in the eyeball and said, I'm eternal, dudes. Because if it's in the present indicative, here's what he's saying. I could do this with you. Chuck and Judy, you're here, and I am too. But then if I said, your granddaddy, Charles, was, and I am then, too. If you want to go all the way back to Scotland or wherever your descendants are from, you know what? They were, and I am, then, too. Wherever in history you want to go, he am. (laughs) You see? So he completely scattered their brains all over the place when he said this. They picked up rocks. He's blaspheming. No, he's either crazy or blaspheming or right. See, Christ had no beginning. So he can say, go anywhere in history, I am. Because you go all the way back to the beginning of time when everything that is matter started. I was before then. I'll tell you where my mind can't go, and neither can yours. We can't go backward ad infinitum. You can't. Because our minds insist on something stopping somewhere. But he doesn't stop. Before Abraham even existed, he didn't say, I was. No, no, he did it right. He said, I am. Always am. Always will be. Future, past, in the future or in the past, anywhere you want to go, he's still going to be am. Well, with the simplest words, Jesus testifies to the divine, eternal preexistence of his person. Now, you show me anywhere, anywhere, any religious leader who said these things about himself. Muhammad didn't. Muhammad did not. Buddha didn't. Buddha was just a teacher. None of them did. Jesus, you, you can't, you've got to come to a conclusion about him because of the things he said about himself. And there's no question about it, he did. Because all you got to do is read the original manuscripts, and that's exactly what he said. So, Isaac matters because he was the beginning of the promise. Next week we'll look at Isaac a little bit more, and then Jacob, and we're going to close this thing out. How many of y'all are being blessed in this series now? Amen.
So, what did Jesus say in Revelations? I am the Alpha and the Omega. Amen. He's not saying he began. He said, at the beginning, I was there. And at the end, he's there. Amen. Well, let's stand together and let's just worship the Lord. He is Almighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's worship him. Father, we just thank you that when we read the word, we come flat up against Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, God himself. We thank you, Lord, that we do not worship a fable, a figment of our imagination, but we worship very God who came in the flesh according to the promise of Genesis 3.15, worked out through the ages until finally John said, Behold, there is the Lamb of God. And when he said that, Lord, we know that was the very day Abraham rejoiced over when he saw Isaac. We know, Lord, we stand in covenant promise. And Lord, as surely as you saved us and have kept us, you're going to carry us to glory. We thank you for placing our faith in you and that you declared us righteous by faith. In Jesus' name. Everybody say with me, I believe it. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a good night. Amen.